us, is this the lunch loop? If so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Lundloop Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the intersection of markets, money, and life. Yeah, that's right. M markets, money, and life. I always forget. However, the Lundloop newsletter is the intersection of markets, trading, and life. And if you are not yet a Lundloop subscriber, I just want to remind you that in honor of President's Day weekend, I've got a special for new subscribers. You can get 30% off your first year of the Lundloop. So that gets you daily watch lists with actionable setups. It gets you daily market commentary. It gets you the weekend strategy video. It gets you access to the Lundloop Discord, which I'm gonna tell you right now, I think is the best group of traders and active investors anywhere. Uh, it's a super helpful group, smart people um, that will answer your questions, help you out. So. Head on over to thelunloop.com, check out the About page, and there's a link there to get 30% off your first year of the Lunloop. It's only 140 bucks for the year. I think it's like 39 cents per day. It's the best ROI you can get in the market. I guarantee it. All right, so those that have known me for any amount of time know that I've been doing this a long time. And I was around on that fateful day in October 1987 when the stock market dropped 23% in one day. Just for context, that would be roughly the same as the SPX dropping a thousand points in a day. So it was a pretty big day. But what a lot of people don't realize is they didn't close the market down that day. It was open through that whole bloody wreck of a day because there were no circuit breakers back then. However, it was out of that carnage that they decided to implement circuit breakers. And so I think for most people these days, when it comes to market closings that are outside of the normal holidays, that's what they think of. They think of circuit breaker closings. But the fact is, is that the New York Stock Exchange has closed on numerous non-holiday occasions over the years. If you go to their website, they have a list of them. And the one that's the, the first one they list the farthest back was Lincoln's assassination in 1865. The, the stock exchange was closed for a whole week. And then there's a lot of very interesting reasons since that the market is or the stock market is closed. For example, in 1873, a company called J. Cook and Company collapsed. They were a Philadelphia banking firm and they floated these railroad bonds and nobody wanted them. And it was one of the largest underwriters at that time of US Treasury. So panic ensued. People thought there's going to be a run on the market. So they actually closed the exchange for 10 days. The market has been closed for the centennial celebration of Washington's inauguration. It's been closed for the death of Queen Victoria, King Edward VII, and even King George V, that bastard. The market has been closed for the death of J.P. Morgan. When World War I broke out, the market was closed for four weeks. Believe it or not, Heat has often been a reason <laughs> for closing the NYSE. In August of 1917, there was too much heat, meaning it was a damn hot day on the trading floor, and they closed it. But just one year later, 
The market was closed once in January and twice in February for lack of heat. It was too damn cold. The market has been closed for parades, parades for Charles Lindbergh, for General Eisenhower, for General Pershing. The market was closed for a national day of mourning after the death of Martin Luther King. In 1968, there was something called the paperwork crisis, where trading volumes got so large that the NYSE back office could not keep up on all the reconciliations. So they closed every Wednesday. Can you believe that? Just in the middle of the week, the market was closed. In 1969, the NYC was closed for two days because of heavy snows. And in 1969, uh, this one's weird, the market was closed for a national day of participation for the lunar exploration. All right. It's also been closed for natural disasters like Hurricane Gloria. And of course, it was closed for a number of days uh, on 9-11. The stock market also has a tradition of closing for a national day of mourning to mark the passing of every president. And the last time that happened was in 2018 for the death of George Herbert Walker Bush. Now, there is a rumor going around that the stock market is closed this coming Monday for some holiday called President's Day. That's fake news. You don't believe me? Let me quote from the NYSE's website. All right, quote, Washington's birthday was first declared a federal holiday by an 1879 Act of Congress. The Monday Holiday Law, enacted in 1968, shifted the date of the commemoration of Washington's birthday from February 22nd to the third Monday in February. But neither that law nor any subsequent law changed the name of the holiday from Washington's birthday to President's Day. Although the third Monday in February has become popularly known as President's Day, and this is the important part, the NYSE's designation of Washington's birthday as an exchange holiday, known as Rule 51, follows the form of the federal holiday outlined above. And that comes from Section 6103A of Title V of the United States Code. And to that I say, God damn right. When I was in school, we had two holidays in February. Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday. Then somewhere along the line, Lincoln's got dropped and Washington's mutated into this uh, amorphous beige paint holiday called President's Day. Look, when Honest Abe and Cherry Tree Chopping Wood Teeth George, when their birthdays were still separate, we had TV specials, we had memorials, we had school plays that actually taught us something about the life and times of the two greatest presidents in American history. Those holidays had meaning. There was some significance beyond just a three-day weekend uh, and an excuse to go to department store sales. I mean, seriously, what sort of bullshit is President's Day anyway? Who exactly are we honoring? Is it Lincoln and Washington? Or are we honoring all the presidents? Okay, if that's the case, fine. Just make sure that you tell your hardcore red state neighbor this weekend that they're honoring Joe Biden. Oh, and don't forget to inform your blue state brother-in-law while he's cold chilling on Monday that he owes a debt of gratitude to Donald Trump. Look, one of the cardinal rules of the Lund Loop is we do not talk about politics. And we don't talk about politics for two reasons. Number one, it doesn't help us make money. And number two, 
the biases that we bring from politics actually can cause us to lose money. But I'm going to break that rule right now because there is no goddamn way that I'm taking Monday off. I don't care if he was president or not. I'm not taking Monday off to honor that bastard Millard Fillmore. Look, the whole concept of a generic President's Day, it just, it seems so politically correct. It seems so woke. It's like a holiday version of a participation trophy. I want to know exactly who I'm honoring. And I think probably most of the country does. I mean, 50% of the country is going to be upset if you mix your Hoovers, Nixons, and Clintons in with your Roosevelts, your Trumans, and your Reagans. America is about championing, that's a tough word, I've been practicing it for like an hour. America is about championing, thank you, championing exceptionalism. And I think that applies most when we're honoring our country's leaders. So look, here's my take. This weekend, go hit the sales, buy some new shoes in honor of William Howard Taft, grill some steaks to the memory of Rutherford B. Hayes, go and get shitty on a Sunday night. Chester A. Arthur would want you to. But for me, I'm going to be drinking a beer. I'm going to be flipping a burger. And I'm going to be sleeping in on Monday in honor of and only to the Illinois rail splitter and the father of our country. Uh, is this the lunch loop? Anyone who knows me will tell you that I am the last person to buy into conspiracy theories. I think usually the most obvious answer is the right answer. For example, who killed JFK? Lee Harvey Oswald. Case closed. Did we land on the moon? Yes, of course we did. Did the government knock down the trade towers on 9-11? No. Is the earth flat as a pancake? Of course it is. So the point is, I don't go for those conspiracy theories, but I'm also not stupid. I know how things work. My philosophy around conspiracies is somewhat like the late George Carlin's. Conspiracy, but You don't need a formal conspiracy. Right. When interests converge, these people went to the same universities and fraternities. They're on the same boards of directors. They're in the same country clubs. They have like interests. They don't need to call a meeting. They know what's good for them. There are a number of topics that come up regularly amongst traders. But the most common discussions usually revolve around the conspiracy-like theory that the markets are rigged. Well, look, I can tell you with 100% certainty, they are rigged. Plain and simple, the markets, specifically the exchanges, are totally geared towards screwing the retail investor. How do I know this? Well, let's go back in the Wayback Machine. You see, you see those squiggly lines and you hear... Way back uh, in the early 2010s, I was part of a management group that started up a social brokerage. And so I got to deal with a lot of the back end stuff that I had never really seen as a trader before. And look, there are rules and there are theories and there's experience and there's all these things around trading and people will tell you all these different things that can and can't happen. But here's what I did. I actually got on the phone to outlets like Apex, right, to their order routing desk. And I actually talked to the guys that were there 
looking at the trades, seeing how they interacted with the floor, getting the, the fill reports back. Also, I talked to these guys off the record, you know, after hours, after we both had a couple beers, and they gave me the 100% scoop on what goes on on the exchanges. And like I said, it is geared towards screwing the retail investor. So these things that I'm going to tell you, I know of what I speak. My philosophy is this. Instead of engaging in a quixotic attempt to change things that will never change, traders should educate themselves as to how the market is rigged and then use that knowledge to their advantage. So in that spirit, let me fill you in on the three most common ways you can get screwed when using stop orders. And just for clarification, when I refer to stop orders going forward, I'm referencing a standard plain vanilla stop order opposed to a stop limit order. All right, first way is triggering stops without a trade at your stop price. And this one to me is the most incredible. All right, here's an example. XYZ stock is currently trading at $20.50. And you have a stop order to sell at 20. Price approaches your stop, it gets triggered, and you're filled at 20.05. But when you look at your chart, you notice, oh, wait a minute, the low of the day is 20.04. So how was your stop triggered? Because you're assuming like, well, price must have dipped down to my stop at 20 and then I got filled as it bounced. When you place a stop order, what you're doing is placing a market order, which for lack of a better word, is in a suspended state, meaning it's not active until your stop or your trigger price is hit. Once it is, your market order is then live and it acts like any other market order. But what you might not know is there, there does not have to be an actual trade at your stop price to trigger that market order. Let me repeat that. There does not have to be an actual trade at your stop price to trigger the market order. Only a quote needs to be shown at your stop price in order to trigger your order. And once it's triggered, it can then be filled at whatever price the market is trading at at that point. All right, number two, reprioritizing your orders. When there are two stop orders at the same price sitting on an exchange, the priority goes to the one that was placed first. So if XYZ stock is trading at 2050 and there are two stop market orders at 20, when price comes down and triggers those stops, the one that was placed first will get filled before the other one. However, this all changes if there are also stop limit orders at that same price. Stop limit orders at the same price as a stop order will get priority and they will be filled first even if they were placed after the regular stop order. In fact, stop limit orders below the price of a stop market order can still get priority over a plain stop order. The philosophy, and I'm doing quotes here, the philosophy behind this exchange rule is that by placing a stop order, you are accepting the possibility of getting filled where the market is trading. But with a stop limit order, you're only willing to accept a fill at a specific price or better. So let's take a scenario. If price is falling fast and it triggers a $20 stop order, turning it into a market order, and then it continues to $19.98 before filling that market order, a stop limit at $19.98 
will get filled first. And if there's more liquidity at that price and it drops to 1996 before filling the market formerly stop order, limit orders at 1996 will get priority over it as well. And as you can see, in a fast market, especially in a thinly traded stock, your stop order can trigger, drop significantly, and remain open while stop limit orders along the way get filled in front of it. All right, the third way that exchanges screw with your stop orders, midday stop hunting. During the middle of the day, you'll see stocks dip and run stops, usually below obvious support levels. And then suddenly they'll reverse and begin climbing. This occurs because there's a tendency for liquidity to dry up during the middle of the day, which means less volume is needed to move a stock. I hear complaints all the time from traders who lament that their stops are run. They say, the stock trades 7 million shares a day and it went down and ran my stop. The implication there is that the stock is too liquid to manipulate. But what they don't realize is the majority of volume takes place in the first and the last 30 minutes of the trading day. Sometimes 50% or more of a stock's total daily volume takes place during these periods. So that leaves five and a half hours of relatively light volume, and that's a time when prices can be manipulated and move towards pockets of stops. All right, so why is all this manipulation going on? Well, it's simple. It's all about the Benjamins, and it's their Benjamins, not yours. There's a common theme running through all three of these issues. The exchanges run on volume. So for them, the more volume, the better. And in the three scenarios above, the framework is designed to create as much volume as possible. Let's take some examples. Number one, if price can't trade low enough to trigger a transaction, then all they have to do is put a ghost quote in. It will trigger the stop, fill the order, and add to the volume or transaction fees, commissions, etc., etc. Here's another example. What a tragedy it would be for the exchange if falling prices bypassed limit orders and failed to trigger them because they would miss out on the transaction fees. So why not facilitate the best opportunity to create transactions by prioritizing limit orders over market or formerly stop orders, which don't have to be filled at a specific price? Now, that's a awkward way of me saying they don't want to miss out on any transaction they can get as price goes through a certain area. So that's why they prioritize those limit orders. Otherwise, they may not get filled. And then another example is low volume periods during the day allow easier price manipulations. And that allows areas to be cleared out, meaning areas where stops congregate can be run transacting a lot of trades and again, a lot of commissions and transaction fees. So as you can see, the exchanges are definitely not on your side. And knowing that, you just got to trade accordingly. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund loop. Whatever you've got me on, um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, uh, actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at thelungloop.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.